Worth, and welcome to another episode of the Fort Worth Freedom Review. My name is Anthony Sosa, and today Amber and I are joined by Michael Campbell for an open discussion on recent events in East Fort Worth and the Fort Worth PD's response to these events, as well as various election-related topics including voter intimidation, voter suppression, the Electoral College, the current Texas political climate, gentrification, and our predictions for the near future. I also want to let you know that we had some technical difficulties recording this episode and that the recording stopped a few times during the conversation. Uh, These gaps were edited to make the transition as smooth as possible, but please bear with us this episode. As always, please subscribe and sign up for our newsletter and get updates on Fort Worth political news and deep dives into local issues. We are currently a volunteer organization. If you would like to get involved or want to contact us, you can reach us at fwfreedomreview at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at fwreview and on Facebook at Fort Worth Freedom Review. This podcast is made possible by the Justice Reform League, a Fort Worth-based nonprofit. If you wish to support us, please go to justicereformleague.org and click the donate button. Okay, I've got the 538 forecast pulled up if we wanted to do any comparisons or talk about that stuff, but I don't know. The election's going to be going on the whole time, so there's no need to talk about it right this second, though. Right. I feel like there was some other other stuff that happened this week right. that maybe is worth talking about. <laughs> uh, right. Michael, what do you got on your mind? What's, what's been going on with you this week? Well, um, ah, man, it's been uh, a busy week, chaotic week, due to... Uh, Facebook Live video I shared last week. Um, if you guys haven't heard, there was uh, some Trump supporters who came to a predominantly black, historically black neighborhood in Fort Worth, uh, east side of Fort Worth, uh, known as Eastwood, very close to, to the stop sits area. Uh, it's down on Miller Avenue and uh, the inter- close to the intersection of Eastberry Street. Um, predominantly, predominantly black uh, area. Uh, and minority, um, and on last Wednesday, you had Trump supporters who came to that neighborhood and proceeded in a caravan style with their flats waving to drive up and down the streets. Um, there were reports that they were doing donuts, and I've actually seen the video. Uh, they were um, driving erratically. They were being rude to the residents. They were yelling at the residents. And uh, there's even reports that some of these supporters were shooting shooting the, fir- the finger at the residents. Um, and they were also very close to a polling site, an early voting site at the uh, Polly Griffin Sub Courthouse on Miller Avenue, where a lot of these predominantly black residents will go vote. And I'm pretty sure, and I'm pretty sure the Trump supporters knew these predominantly black residents are probably voting uh, a blue ticket. So, uh, hey, let's just ride over to Miller Avenue and let's ride up and down the street while these people vote and make our presence known. Um, 
is tinkering with uh, uh, meddling with uh, uh, voters and is tinkering with being illegal in what we call voter intimidation, as we all know, is a federal crime, mm-hmm. a federal charge to uh, intimidate. Uh, actually, I have it here. I looked it up because I wanted us all to be clear on what we have seen over these last few weeks with Trump supporters and how bold they have been. And, you know, and I don't, let me say this. I don't judge people on who they support. I judge people on how they support them. And, you know, in the history of presidents, president candidates running for office, never have you seen any president supporters as vocal, mm-hmm. loud, and rambunctious as the Trump supporters. I mean, George Bush supporters wasn't no. as loud. Mm-hmm. You know, Al Gore's supporter wasn't like this. I don't remember Clinton, the Clinton supporters riding down the streets and, you know, no. waving their flag. And I want to say, and I wasn't alive back then, I want to say McGovern supporters uh, back in the six, or no, not McGovern. What's his name? Goldwater. Goldwater. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. The Goldwater go. in, in the '64 election. He didn't win the nomination though. Okay. And so like it did. It, Trump won the won the election. <laughs> Trump's the president. So it's a it's not the same. You know, not a not a good comparison necessarily. But yeah, you have to go b- back pretty far to to start seeing some parallels. Well, thanks Anthony for the historical context because I I didn't even know that 1960s. Wow. And you know. Not in our lifetime have we seen anything like this. So, you know, um, what I was saying was you uh, 18 U.S. Code Section 594, the intimidation of voters, uh, says that whoever intimidates, threatens, coerces, or inti- attempts to intimidate, threat, or coerce any person for the purpose of interfering with the right of such other person to vote or to vote as he may choose, or of causing such other person to vote for or not to vote for any candidate for the officer, president, vice president, presidential elector, member of the Senate, House, delegate of the D- uh, D.C., resident commissioner, and an election held solely or in part um, for the purpose of electing such candidate shall be fined under this title and imprisoned not more than one year or both. What we see with um, the Trump supporters uh, surrounding the Biden-Harris bus Mm. is nothing less than voter intimidation. Um, And what you see, what we saw on Miller Avenue uh, on last Wednesday, driving up and down the street in a neighborhood that you know is predominantly blue, is voter intimidation. Uh, and the reason that it, it is intimidating, because there was actually reports of people who were afraid to go vote at this location now yeah. because of the Trump supporters and yeah. what they did on Wednesday. Yeah. So, of course, um, it was a successful rally for the Trump supporters Wednesday. And they decided that we're going to double down come Friday. And we all know Kamala Harris... Um, Biden's uh, vice president running mate was in town Friday in Fort Worth at one o'clock, not too far from Millen Bur- East Berry Avenue, mm-hmm. maybe about a mile or two. 
Uh, so there was a flyer circling around, circulating around social media uh, by a Trump uh, supporting group that said that we're going to show Kamala Harris the Texas way, the Texas red way. They wanted to make sure that we showed up and we, uh, we wanted to be a part of uh, making sure that these supporters were not able to rally up and down the streets of a predominantly black neighborhood, intimidate the people, and uh, to make them feel like they're one, they can't feel safe on their own streets and vote in their own neighborhood. So Friday comes, and I decide to show up, and I show up around 11 o'clock, and um, there's heavy police presence. There's helicopters, there's sheriff's officers, there's unmarked vehicles, there's marked vehicles. Fort Worth police. And there's also, I didn't think the, well, I didn't think the Trump supporters were going to show up. And they actually did. They actually did. And they showed up in um, astonishing numbers. And they immediately started to put their flats on their vehicles. And, and they immediately just started to be obnoxious and yell at people and just do what uh, Trump supporters do. Well, they were a couple of blocks down gathering away from the courthouse where most of the African-American members who had came out were congregating closer to the, uh, the uh, sub-courthouse. Well, um, the caravan starts to proceed around the neighborhood, but they don't come down a particular street on Miller Avenue. Yet, you have some outliers from the caravan that decide to be bold and have the audacity that they're going to drive down Miller Avenue anyway with their Trump flags. So real, real, I want to. So I'm trying to paint the picture because yeah, Amber, so, Amber and I used to live over there. So I'm trying yeah. to like. See, so where did, if they weren't going down Miller, where were they, were they just going through the neighborhoods? They were going through the neighborhoods. Okay. They was uh, and, and they were going from Barry East Barry into the uh, the neighborhood okay, of, over uh, the by East Vaughn and stuff. Yes. Right? Okay. Yes. Okay. And um, they would go back to the Walgreens at the intersection of Miller oh, okay. and East Barry to congregate. Well, you had a couple of trucks that had tried to come down there before I started my live, and those trucks got turned around. Mm. And with those trucks, there was police cars that was following those trucks in and out of these crowds and uh, up and down the street, hmm. um, which is why, you know, and I get to it later, I yelled, it looks as if they're being escorted by forward police. Mm -hmm. um, well, uh, this one particular truck, comes down again and I decide to go live on Facebook and I, I started my live video and I'm commentating in a very colorful way of what I see and how I feel and me being from that neighborhood uh, I think the true raw emotions came out of me in that video um, and the way I felt about uh, what was going on the type of intimidation and the type of uh, fear that the Trump supporters were trying to instill into the residents over there and the voters over there, I wasn't gonna let that happen. So um, I start the video and you can see how tense it is in the streets. I mean, there are hundreds of people in the African-American community that are standing literally in the middle of the street of Miller Avenue yelling for this truck to turn back around and you're not gonna be able to come down this street. And they're ye they're yelling and uh, they're yelling at the truck with the and it was one particular truck who tries to 
Bogart his way through the crowd a little bit. Yeah, I and, saw that in the video. Yeah. It almost looked like he was trying to, like, you know, like, literally, yeah. like, making contact with bodies. Yeah, like. yeah, where they had to bang on the top of the hood to get this guy to stop. Yeah. And, you know. And the cop that was standing there didn't do anything. He, right. He didn't even, like, right. like, tell the guy, like, hey, maybe you shouldn't try to run these people over. Right, right. Like, it's almost as if he was escorting this guy. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Because he definitely wasn't there to stop the uh, or or keep the peace, right. uh, in which they uh, said in their uh, responding response to the situation. But um, yeah, and so I went live. I shared my live on Facebook, and it went viral unexpectedly. I wasn't expecting it to do what it did. Um, yet people caught wave of what happened, and. Now I realize I actually capture history. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I actually capture history, and it's amazing. Uh, you never know when a situation can have such a major impact on people, mm -hmm. people lives. I've had people inboxing me and messaging me through social media and, and say, "Hey, you guys are my hero. You guys inspired me." Uh, yeah, we're not gonna we're gonna stand up. We're not gonna. Uh, just lay down anymore and I think about um, you know like Amber said earlier this goes back to the civil rights movements mm -hmm. and uh, African Americans um, not having the ability to vote till later on in, uh, in, their, uh, in life and you know um, I think about how um, modern day uh, this modern day election is going and I can imagine that what the Trump supporters are doing is very similar to what uh, my ancestors experienced back in the civil rights time and mm -hmm. them trying to vote and being intimidated. I think, Amber, you actually had a story about voter intimidation. Yeah, so I I was inspired by your video um, to kind of look into the role of law enforcement in voter intimidation and voter suppression Um in this country and and you know like, i like what you said about um you know how your video was making history and i think what is so shocking about it to me is that so many people think that or were under the impression at least before this current administration that this type of behavior is historical and not present in our modern american society and um you know, this is just one more way that we're all finding out that that's apparently not true. <laughs> like, you know, who would have thought in 2020 that, you know, white supremacists and maybe not all of those Trump supporters over there were white supremacists, but they weren't making it clear that they're not white supremacists and they weren't not doing white supremacy. Um, but who would have thought in 2020 that you would have at least one of you white supremacists um, over in the east side of Fort Worth um, trying to intimidate people of color from voting at their neighborhood pollings or at their neighborhood voting location. Um, it's insane. But uh, what I found out is that apparently um, back in August, um, well, apparently sometime during 2018, um, the this is a story that's reported by the Washington Post, but sometime... In 2018, 
um, the federal government banned the use of law enforcement officers to monitor um, polling locations where people were voting. And um, the Trump administration apparently lifted that ban. Um, and it, as of August, Trump was uh, trying to, uh, well, I guess like suggesting that um, law enforcement officers start being deployed once again to monitor polling locations. Um, and people back then and back in August were raising the question of like, hey, like this has been a historical tactic by the GOP to um, suppress and intimidate people of color from from voting. And um, and so he was already talking about it back then. But then when you think about how many um you know, law enforcement or, you know, police officers associations have come out vocally, um, you know, endorsing, publicly endorsing uh, the Trump administration and Donald Trump as a president um, or as their candidate, it really calls into question, um, can you, we even count, A, on law enforcement to keep the peace in a situation such as the one that you experienced, but B, should law enforcement officers even be able to endorse candidates, period? Because they're paid by us, the people, through our tax dollars. Um, and it seems like because of the power dynamics in law enforcement versus average people, that it, it's not really appropriate for somebody who is supposed to at least pretend on paper or publicly that they have the whole community's interest in mind, um, you know, coming out of being like, oh, I'm for Donald Trump, who's like openly, you know, racist and, uh, you know, endorsing white supremacist behaviors and endorsing um, militia and, you know, like far right extremist behaviors and calling dog whistles for everyone. Like, is it appropriate for law enforcement to, to even say, yeah, that's the guy that we want well, I mean, it's the no is the short answer, and like the military has the same dynamic. They're also paid for and employed by our tax dollars, but they are not allowed to vocally support or say anything about any political candidate while they're in uniform or on duty or in any official capacity. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it would go to stand that yeah, law enforcement should have the same sort of you know guidelines or whatever. I, th I think one would think, one would think. Yeah, it, it it will make sense because um, if your you know duty is to protect and serve the entire community, mm -hmm. if your views and uh, political uh, views and political standpoint is too too far left or too too far right, you may not be able to be um, you know not be implicitly biased in your investigation or in your your line of work so it makes sense why the military may say hey no political um uh support of one one way or the other while you're in on duty i just want to keep it neutral and down the middle makes sense absolutely But so, but what that makes me think about, though, what you guys were talking about is, if that all kind of relies on the assumption that the police are supposed to be protecting the community, mm, um, true, and that's not actually their job, no, or their role, no. Um, I would. There was a really good Radio Lab podcast that came out a couple of weeks ago, 
um, where they actually investigate, like, what is the job of the police? Like, we all think that we know, and when they kind of broached the subject at the beginning of that episode, Jad was like, wait, what, that's a stupid question. Like, we shouldn't, we sh- that's not worth an episode on. We all know the answer to that, but no, actually, we don't. Um, and there's recent Supreme Court cases that have decided, you know, um, in instances that the police don't have an obligation to protect any individual community member or specific community member. Um, Amber, do you remember the specific Supreme Court case I'm talking about, about the woman whose children was, so essentially she had a restraining order against her husband and then he ended up kidnapping, I think her three children and murdering them. And she sued the state, I think this is Washington state, um, about, you know, a about the cops not doing anything about it, essentially that not upholding the restraining order, okay, and about how like hey you guys failed the system failed me here and they took it all the way up to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court decided, well they actually there is no, like, contract between police officers and, and individual citizens that they're like obligated to protect you that they're obligated to uphold a restraining order for instance that that's actually not their job, um, <laughs> and then uh, there was another instance of a guy on some train, I forget, I think this is in New York or New Jersey or something, and there was a serial killer or some some man who was assumed to be, you know, the, the assailant in three or four different crimes and within a 24-hour period. The police knew who this person was, followed him onto this subway, but then didn't, appar- like, kind of let him stay there, and he attacked this dude who was telling his story on the podcast and, like, stabbed him in the eye. Uh, and this guy ended up like subduing the guy and holding him down, and other people on the subway like helped him restrain this man. And then the cops came out and like picked him up. But they were on the train and they locked themselves in the cockpit of the train uh-huh. to protect themselves from this guy while he's out killing people on the other side of the cockpit door, you know, trying to, anyways. And then so that guy sued the police officers. <laughs> I mean, like, if like they're literally doing the opposite of their job, they're running away from the person that they're supposed to be protecting us from. Right. Uh, and then the you know the court ended up deciding, well, no, that's actually not their job. They don't actually have to necessarily endanger themselves to protect an individual citizen or anything. So I was like, well, what is your job then? Really, like, what are you actually here for? Yeah. <laughs> if that's not your job. To protect um, property. Yeah, it's to protect property. Yeah. It's not to protect right. us. Right. And we often lose sight of that or don't know that or forget that. But Yeah, because um, yeah, the cop shows that everybody sees on TV, like, portray cops as protecting individual people and, right. you know, caring a lot about sex trafficking <laughs> and, and <laughs> other things that happen on SVU. Too much SVU. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. SVU, definitely. Um, everybody thinks that cops are Shamar Moore from Criminal yeah. Minds, and <laughs> if right. only that were the case. Um, but, but yeah, that's not that's not the real world. Though. No, it's not the real right. world. And what's really crazy is that cops don't have. Ex- excuse me, I don't want to be offensive. Law enforcement officers don't have to administer help either. So, um, for instance, if there is some sort of altercation and a person is shot, whether they were shot by a law enforcement officer or whether there's like some sort of shootout, um, law enforcement have an obligation to call, um, you know, to call 911 for them to send paramedics out, but they don't have an obligation to administer help themselves. And in fact, 
there are about a million cases, not a million, but there you don't have to look very hard um, on the internet to find cases where law enforcement um, are just standing there watching someone bleed out when they could have applied a tourniquet or they could have um, administered CPR or... And isn't that something you know, that e- is a crime if, like, you or I do that? Um, it, de- it depends on what... The, and Mike probably knows better than I do, but Good Samaritan laws um, are different in every state, I believe. Yeah, yeah. But uh, what was your question, uh, Sosa? So if, if, if I, uh, someone got knocked out right in front of me and I, did, I just stood there and watched them... Hit, bust their head open and bleed out on the curb or whatever. Like, if I don't do anything, I don't call help, I don't do 911. Could he be sued? No. Oh, okay. No. I you have no okay. liability, no Interesting. legal okay. obligation or duty to do any of okay. anything to interact. You can. Yeah. You have it, a right to yeah. protect But uh, there's no else's. liability or anything. Like right. Okay. okay. Right. I think that some professions, um, like nurses and doctors, are you know, like in their code of ethics uh, to practice is, you know, right. like you can't just not help or not administer right. help or whatever. Right. Um, and I think that, I don't know if this is true anymore or not, but at one point I think if you um, were like CPR certified, like through the American Red Cross or whatever, like there's kind of this expectation that if you're like present at the scene of an accident that, you know, you're kind of like, I guess, like, a moral obligation to help and, like, maybe could be, like, sued or found liable for for not helping if you have the ability to. Um, is that is that true? Right. There's a caregiver um, law. If you have a uh, – that, and I'm thinking about the laws of negligence, and, of course, I do more criminal than civil law, but mm-hmm. uh, if there is a caretaker law. If you have a duty through some kind of relationship with the person – and uh, then you do have a right to intervene, a uh, duty to intervene. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Yet, um, if you don't have that relationship with that person, no liability will be against you if you choose not to act. Interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. But, well, let's bring it back into the topic at hand here at Fort Worth. Um, so, what, let's discuss the response by law enforcement or the response by the city to oh. uh to, 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 to the video going viral and gaining <laughs> international um international real, just real quick before we start that just on the note of the video it blew my mind because we were discussing in the chat in our text earlier in the week about the possibility of that of of that taking place right, yeah. on the east side. Mm-hmm. Wow. Remember, I don't know if you were paying attention in the chat or not, but we and Ro- yeah. us and Rod were kind of going back and forth like Wednesday or something. I think like, after the thing on shit. Wednesday, like, look, yeah, look at look at what's going to happen on, on Friday or whatever. And so we were like talking about that. And then I open up Twitter Friday evening <laughs> and I see the that video. <laughs> and so I shared it and then I put it in the chat because we were talking about that. And, and then you were like, hey, that's my video. <laughs> And I, right, and I right. knew it was you, like, when I saw it, because Anthony, I saw it before you commented, and when I was watching the video, it was like, oh, my God, like, this sounds just like Mike. This right, guy sounds right. like Mike, but, like, really mad. <laughs> right, and I think what um, caught most people's attention about the video was <sighs> what I felt most ashamed about in the video was my language, <laughs> but uh, it was very colorful, vulgar, but very true and accurate for the situation. Yeah. 
and very on point. And when I think about it, I was, I was very much so ashamed when the first time I saw the video and hurt myself. But when I went back here and listened to it, I thought about it. I didn't waste any words. I didn't waste any words. I was very direct with my message. And it was a strong message, but it needed to be strong for the situation. And um, I think that's what garnered most people's attention is how strongly we felt about protecting, as Amber would say, our property. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I have people say, I've, I've seen criticism to the video, like, oh, these guys are talking about their neighborhood and they don't own any land over there. Actually, I do own land, I, I, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, and in that neighborhood, I, I actually do own land in that neighborhood. So I do take it very personal uh, when, uh, you know, you come over and just be disrespectful. I mean, it's not like we were over in like, you know, South Lake or, yeah. you know, uh, you know, sure. uh, Westworth or anything <laughs> like that, you know, riding around in our, uh, you know, cars with rims and bumping our music, yeah. and, you know, playing F Donald Trump music, you yeah. know, uh, you know, we don't do that. You hadn't seen that. So, and like really zooming out a little bit like what do you actually hope to achieve or accomplish with that like i guess you said some people were scared to go to the polls like i guess intimidation is like the mm -hmm. ultimate goal but like really like you're not where it's not the 1800s anymore or whatever that's not <laughs> right the only right. polling place right like yeah maybe right. you got to go a little further down the road or whatever but like it's it's not going to change anybody's vote right right you know you're not going to convince anybody that like oh vote for my guy right <laughs> with there's, that attitude there's 30 locations in tarrant county yeah why that location Ulti ultimate motive here what is your ultimate goal uh because you're not swaying to vote one way or the other but I think, you know, when Donald Trump comes out and says, you know, we want to install law and order and uh, into this country, uh, there's people that get behind that. And, and uh, you know, I think, you know, the east side, which is a, um, a area of town that's been predominantly African-American, uh, and as you see in other predominantly predominantly African-American communities in Fort Worth. Um, I think, um, you know, it's an area of town that some people may have their eyes on as far as gentrification. Uh, the South mm. Side has done so. Stop Sits is starting to gentrify. Uh, so, you know, I think the east side of Fort Worth, Eastwood, may be an area of town that some people may have their eyes on. That's interesting. That's what happened to, like, West Dallas. There you go. Yeah. There and everybody lost their houses and, you know. And um, not to get too far off topic, but what do you think about how gentrification is taking its toll here in our city? Oh, man. In Fort Worth. Well, I mean, we actually, like, working over on Magnolia kind of watched it happen. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. And... Yeah, we started working over at the Bearded Lady. Amber, what, what you, 2014, I think, is when you started. Oh, uh, that was the, the very inception of that area. I want to say I started at the Bearded Lady in like 2012, like 2012 or 2013. Wow. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, yeah, I remember taking a buddy of mine out to a friend's house over on Magnolia in like 05 or something. 
and there was nothing there. Right. You know, right. it was not. It, I had a dentist the office. The chat room was there. Yeah, the chat room was there. The chat room. Yeah, for real. <laughs> but that was it. And that was when there were it, there were still computers, and because <laughs> right. uh, I started going to the chat room before I even lived in Fort Worth. Right. Um, and that was like the only thing on that street that anybody that I knew went right, to right. and it was this like tiny bar no patio and there were like I don't know maybe like like five different like PCs like up against the wall and you could use the computer while you like drink beer and in tequila and or whatever um, which it's like really different now but right. like I kind of watched the evolution of, of all of that happen and I mean the at the time like when we were at the bearded lady was like before um, I guess like some of the places that were appealing to more like upper middle class like right. like the wine bars and you know so on and so forth it all kind of emerged um, and that was before like TCU students started going there and stuff um, and then at the time, everybody that worked at the Bearded Lady, like, or not everybody, but, like, a lot of my coworkers didn't, they didn't have cars, like, because right. they all lived in the neighborhood and were all renting, right. you know, houses and stuff. And um, it was the people that were working in the service industry that really kind of set the artsy vibe, the hipster vibe at the time, right. um, is what people would have called it, um, that kind of made it a desirable place to come and hang out. Uh -huh. And then... Um, everyone else started moving in and like things started getting a little more upscale and then nobody that worked there could afford their rent anymore, <laughs> you know? Right, right. And, you know, people had been renting maybe one apartment or like, you know, like an older apartment or like one of those like multifamily houses, you right. know? Uh, maybe they'd been renting there for like several years and suddenly, you know, like their rent skyrocketed and then like nobody that had like kind of built I guess like the vibe of the community could even could even live there at the, anymore. Right, right. Yeah, and I, and you start to see that everywhere, and I and I wonder, it's, you know, in South Sits, uh, you see it right now, three hundred thousand dollar homes, and there's no legitimate businesses over there, no legitimate re uh, restaurants, no legitimate uh, grocery stores, not even a grocery store. No. Mm -hmm. uh, so wait, where is there three hundred dollar homes in South Six now? Uh, in the um. Okay, so back by the MLK uh, Community Center. Okay. Uh, down, I want to say that's um, uh, Cass Street. Um, there are $300,000 new bill homes. Wow. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's so I wonder if the Eastwood Fort Worth is another area that, you know, some. Yeah. Builders or opportunists may have it all. Yeah, I mean that's kind of that's usually how it goes. Is it's the 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 neighborhoods that already existed, right? right. The ones that were already built right. after right. thirty, forty years later will right. go back up there because there's already infrastructure there, right? right? There's already roads there. There's already stuff there. We just got to you know, quote unquote improve on it or whatever. and revamp it, right? Yeah. Right. So you know, the video uh, back to the viral video after I recorded it and posted it, it just the waves of uh, responses started to come back and um, I, I literally have talked to every major news outlet that you could think of about it and and what I what I've learned is that you know this is not just going on here in Fort Worth this is happening everywhere you see in South yeah. Carolina um, there's yeah, issues crazy. going on in California 
Trump supporters cornered some lady and, you know, you know, threatened her, intimidated her. So this is uh, really a hot button issue that we're dealing with in this election season is the uh, the the intimidation, the vocalness of your support for your candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, being election night tonight, who knows mm-hmm. how this thing's going to turn out? What do you think, Sosa? Oh, man, I don't know. I was telling my students today, actually have one student, one of my classes, I just had one student who was in, in the room with me and like I gave everyone their work and the people online went went to do their work and it was just me and him. And he was asking me about the election and I don't know, most of my kids don't care. You know, I try to ask them, so what do you guys think? And none of, most of them are, you know, don't have an opinion or, or don't care. Um, but he was he was asking me that same question. And so like, I think something to keep in mind is that we're not gonna know tonight. Like we're right, not gonna know. Right. Uh, that's we're kind of spoiled like that in our country where we we we're used to by you know twelve o'clock one o'clock in the morning election night like we find out who the winner is, uh, but that's not how elections in most countries run, uh, and the fact that we have coronavirus right now is adding to that because right, right. There, you have to have the social distancing and the counting as well, uh, and in certain states, based on however their laws are set up or whatever, aren't allowed to even start counting until tonight. Right. And so if that's cool, you got three weeks of early voting or whatever, but we can't count any of those votes until now. And so, but social distancing, but the lower staffing, but the, you know, all the other things that have been going on, the suppression, right, right, Right. um, is going to equal. Yeah, it's going to be weeks for some of these states to kind of finally actually give us answers. So we'll obviously find some stuff out tonight, but it's not going to be all the votes counted. Right. And to me, it's like, well, nobody should really claim victory until all the votes are counted. I don't really trust either of them <laughs> to right, do that. Right. But Biden said that he would announce victory tonight if the exit polling was was showing that. Um, and so I don't know, man, like it's there's there's a high possibility for things to be really crazy between now and December or oh, yeah. January, whenever the president's actually inaugurated. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, I think we're we're treading in territory that we never seen before. There could be several litigation, mm-hmm. uh, several lawsuits filed behind this election, with the mail-in ballots, uh, some ballots not being accounted for. Yeah, uh, and from what I'm reading, it has to be really uh, county by county, mm-hmm. uh, state by state type of yep. lawsuit. Yep. Um, not really a federal lawsuit, but a more local lawsuit against the local agency. And when we talk about Abbott, I know um, Abbott is Amber's favorite co- <sighs> you know, governor, but um, you know he's done some things in this election season that I think are very questionable. Extremely questionable. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, what do you think, Amber? Oh, man. Like, that man, I... I am on the... I don't want to use hateful language, um, but I... And endlessly, like, shocked and outraged by the decisions that he makes. But the fact that he just is a wannabe, like, Donald Trump, like, Republican. I mean, he is a Donald Trump Republican, but it's like he wants to be Donald Trump. Like, pretty much anything that Donald Trump says that... um, that's outrageous that you're like, oh, well, at least my state officials don't represent that 
perspective. Like, the next thing I know, like, Abbott is on Twitter, like, basically paraphrasing every single tweet that Donald Trump sends out. And right. is I think the word you're looking for is simp. Simp. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good word. How to explain. I'm not familiar. It's a pathetic admirer. Right. Oh, yeah. It's disgusting. <laughs> right. It is disgusting. But, um, but yeah, like... I mean, I could. There's a long list of crazy things that he did, but I think starting with, um, you know, closing down Harris County and Travis County's multiple ballot drop-off locations, right. and was like, hey, uh, only one drop-off location per county. When you know, sometimes you have a county that has like twenty thousand people in the whole county, but then you know, you have Travis County, which is like what, like three million right. or more i don't know the population right. of Travis harris county, county harris yeah. county is huge yeah. it, houston just keeps getting bigger uh -huh. you know like through all the annexation and stuff but like but for him to say like one ballot drop-off location per county was like a clear and undeniable attempt at voter suppression i yes. wouldn't even say it's an attempt because yes. he succeeded in that uh -huh. um but then like the and I, I mean I don't know how much he really had to do with like the GOP lawsuit um, and trying to disqualify like four hundred thousand Harris County mail in ballots. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. And unfortunately, it was shot down. But I don't know if he played a hand in that or not. But so Travis County has one point two million people inside of it. Travis County has one point two. Roughly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that Republican-led effort to uh, what's throw out hundreds of thousands of mail-in ballots? Yeah, I, mean, I think it was 400,000. Wow. Yeah, and that was wow. in Harris County, though. Wow. Another thing I want to talk about, too, since we're, since we're talking about just this stuff kind of in general, is, like, the Electoral College okay, and how it sucks yeah. and how we need to get rid of it and mm -hmm. how because of that, this process, like, really isn't even democratic and... We, we get all worked up about how the election's going to go, but, like, the popular vote, it's pretty clear, is going to go towards Biden. The question is whether or not the Electoral College is right. actually going to do what the popular vote is. It didn't last time. Right. It didn't in, tw in 2000. I was going to say, um, didn't we have an issue in 2016? Yeah. yeah. With Clinton? And yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Clinton won the popular vote but lost. Right. Uh, Gore won the popular vote and lost. Uh, and it happened again uh, in the middle of the 20th century. I can't remember exactly when um cold water no he didn't <laughs> <laughs> it might have been lbj no i don't know um i don't remember but so oh, oh 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 wait wait was it um was it was it jimmy carter versus reagan the like jimmy carter was in, running for re-election and then reagan 80, it was running I don't think so. Reagan no. pretty one in, one in a landslide in that election in, the, in that one yeah, yeah in both of them, in both of them. <laughs> uh um but yeah, but I bring I bring that up. So the Gravel Institute tweeted out they've got a really good video that they just released yesterday or day before yesterday on the Electoral College. If you like to educate yourself like on the specifics of it, I'll go into that here in a second. But they they tweeted out uh, a Politico report headline that said these are the 21 counties that will decide the election. There are 3,141 counties in the United States, but only a tiny fraction of them are poised to have a significant impact on the presidential election outcome. That's because just 12 states are expected to play a decisive role. And so Gravel Institute said, why the f*** do 21 counties decide the election? <laughs> 
which is the question. That's um, a valid question. I didn't realize it was only 21 counties. And so that that is because the Electoral College. Right. And so essentially, unless you're a swing state, your vote doesn't count. And growing up in the state of Texas, as I'm sure y'all are aware, as a Democrat, until recently, it really did feel like you were throwing your vote away, throwing your vote away. It's yeah. like, why is, what's the point of doing this? Because they're never going to win, you know, at the, at the county level, at the state level or whatever. Like growing up, especially growing up in Burleson, like my parents were the only Democrats around, but they always voted that way. Right. Um, but it was always just kind of like it was a principled stance that you took. <laughs> it didn't <laughs> right. actually mean anything right, or do right. anything, right? Right. Uh, and, in, and now Texas is one of these 12 swing states. Like we're actually finally that area where it's, we're quote, quote unquote purple or whatever. Like it could go either way. Tarrant County actually went blue in 2018. Yeah. Yes. And so that's, you know, it's kind of like, oh, we're getting there. People um, see us. But for, <laughs> we exist. But for people who live in Kentucky or for people who live in Vermont or California or anywhere that you live, if you are not the dominant party in that area, it very well may feel like you're throwing away your vote, but you are pretty much because of the way that our system is set up. It really only matters in these specific counties, in these specific swing states. Like, that is really where our election hinges on. Like, Trump winning 2016, you could argue, really did hinge on, like, three counties in Wisconsin. Like, it does come down to that. But that's not democratic. So what I am hearing you say is that we need to get all of the Bernie Sanders supporters and progressives <laughs> and all strategically move to these 21 counties. <laughs> That's what it sounds and like. And that is how we can achieve socialism well, in the United no. States. So, I mean, I, I, like, then, I like what you're thinking. And then we abolish <laughs> the Electoral College after the fact. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm saying abolish Electoral College. That's what I'm saying. But, yes, I like thinking outside of the box. <laughs> and if you're listening to this and you have the means <laughs> to if do that. If you yeah. are a Bernie Sanders supporter and you're willing to relocate, so up on Twitter. there's a way we can get rid of the Electoral College without having Congress do it because obviously Congress isn't hasn't done anything. Yeah, they're not. It benefits it, them to some degree. Yeah, so, essentially. Yeah. yeah, to keep power in, in the in hands of a few. Um, and to the establishment for sure, regardless of party. Yeah. Uh, if you're in the establishment, yeah, you want it. You want to establishment keep it. over party. Yeah, right. you want to keep it. Keep the system the way that it is because that's how you got to where you are is by gaming that system. Um, but. We at the state level, there's something called the Interstate Voter Compact. I think that's right. I might be missing a word. Sounds right. Um, that essentially is the state chooses to ratify a law or ratify a policy that essentially bypasses the Electoral College. It says we don't really need to use it. We can just go with the popular vote. Uh, and 13 states, I believe, have signed on to this compact. So if 36 states, if mm. two-thirds of the states sign on to this compact – they bypass Congress, they bypass the president or whatever, and they just, everyone agrees, okay, we're not going to use the Electoral College. Oh, my gosh. So that's one way we can do it, but instead of having everybody go convince their individual representatives or senators to do it. Well, I, um, thought, I thought what it was when so you I— You have to get your house, your state reps to do it. That's essentially what you have to do. Yeah. Well, so, like, I guess when I was seeing the, the compact thing, I took— I thought that it was basically just the— individuals that make up the electoral college agreeing to send or or to vote the way that the popular the populace had voted um, yeah, having the electors yeah ag pre like, like ahead of time preemptively agree to do that okay. which yeah which essentially but all 13 states are like have to agree 
36, yeah. 30 or 36 states, I agree. And then, like, by their own benevolence, the Electoral College at that point would be like, okay, well, my county voted this way. I will vote the way that they So, no, voted. I think it, 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 I'm not sure. I must have seen a different, so, a different video. So, here's it. what you're talking about is the electors. So, the Electoral College is the electors who go vote for us. So right. we don't vote for right. the president. We right. vote and an, el- an elector is appointed. Yes. Yeah. And they go vote at the convention in December. Right. F- and there's 536 of them or 538 or whatever. Um, and But they are under no obligation to actually vote the way their county back home voted. Exactly. Or right. They can vote exactly. however they want. Yeah. So, so again, is it a, is yeah. it really a true democracy? Or are we really just no? It's some crazy giving game. our votes to someone else and trusting them to vote for us, yeah. basically. And exactly. then we never we don't find out till after the fact if they did it or not. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like nothing nothing else in society really works that way. No. Right. Yeah. I had a big issue with the electoral college in 2016 and that election. Yeah. I struggled with the 2016 election myself. I struggled yeah. if I wanted to vote. I struggled with the electoral college, the whole ideal about it. Mm-hmm. And I had uh, some very strong opinions about it. Um, but it's, it seems like, like you say, uh, Sosa, a true democracy uh, seems like every individual, all six point whatever billion people well i don't know how many people in america anyway have whatever 320 million ish a little more 320 million people that live in america each one that has the right and ability to vote their vote should count towards who wins the presidency and whoever has 200 million votes Mm -hmm. wins Mm -hmm. um but you know we're voting uh through a system that basically takes our vote away and gives it to someone else to vote for us. That's not a true democracy. Doesn't make any sense. Let me ask you this, Michael. <laughs> what is your opinion on ranked choice voting? Ranked choice voting. Haven't heard of it. So it's essentially like you pick your first pick, your second pick, and third pick, or first place, second place, third place, that type of thing. Don't like it. Don't like it. Don't like it. Okay. What's the, uh, it has any country? Uh, utilize it yet. Yeah, so some countries have, other states are starting, it's becoming a new thing. People are starting okay. to talk about it because of the the winner-takes-all sort of system being the way that it is. That. So essentially, if, no, so if, if like you vote, you know, that's, I'm trying to think of a good example way to do it. So like you say, if you had Biden, Trump, and then, you know, two other, I don't even know who's running for the Libertarian Party, but them, and you could say one, two, three, well, everybody else can say one, two, three, two. You know, they, they might be a different order for everybody. So you add up all the numbers together. If so-and-so doesn't win, I'm trying to think of how to explain it. I'm messing this up already. Uh, it goes to your second choice, essentially. Right. Yeah. And so then if your second choice was the one that was going to win, can you explain it, Amber, a little bit? Yeah, so, <laughs> so, yeah so everybody <laughs> votes for, like, their top three, like, in order. So, like, you know, like, I'll just use an example. So my top choice is Bernie Sanders. You know, my second choice is Pete Buttigieg. That's not my second choice. (laughs) Yeah, and so then my third choice would be Joe Biden or whatever. And and, but it's not even like within party. Like it's like yeah, it it goes for the primaries, but also also, but if you know, so like in this situation, like my first choice would be Joe Biden. 
my second choice would be like that dude from the Green Party. And then like maybe my third choice is like Joe Jorgensen or whatever. And so like say that as the votes are coming out, like it set, there's no chance that it's going to be Joe Biden. Right. So then my second choice would then go to like whoever is like still on the ballot. So then yeah. it would be that dude from the Green Party whose name I can't think of. Um, and it's like, oh, well, that dude from the Green Party, like his vote is out. So then like my vote is going to go towards Joe Jorgensen. And then it's like, oh, George, Joe Jorgensen was the winner or whatever. So it's like it's kind of a right? way. Yeah, that's a good way to explain it. So, I mean, it's essentially like rather than your vote being wasted if your person didn't win, it's like you, you still get a vote. You still get a backup or wow. a couple of backups that, st- if that your still get counted. Win. Yeah. Yeah. So your second choice may win. Yeah. Yeah. And, Got or it. even your third choice. If right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Just depending uh, on how many people are. What's the uh, overall census of? So I mean, it's it's I've... still a debated thing, you know. Right. Like it's I, I'm open to it because it just seems a little bit more flexible than what we have now. Um, right. It's certainly not not a perfect system either but i don't know i i i i like a lot I like of other it. people it makes a lot more sense to me than the electoral college <laughs> yeah I mean, like yeah. hands down the two necessarily right. aren't mutually exclusive right but, yeah. right 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 but, right but i don't know it's just something yeah. it's another thing i've been hearing people talk about and i'm like i think a few states i want to say already do it so i'm just like yeah it's something you know i'd be yeah i think there are a couple states yeah. like is it is nevada one of them like let me look it up. I'm, I'm trying I to I want think. to say we saw it during the caucus. Yeah. Ca- one of the caucuses yeah. in Iowa. Or, or yeah, Iowa maybe caucus? it was Iowa that does rank choice. Wow. For their governors? Um, I think for the presidential election. Oh, wow. Like yeah, in the, the primary. primary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's pretty interesting. Yeah, that is pretty interesting. Have to look into it, definitely. Um, but, so I'm seeing right now, not totally liking what I'm seeing. Oh, colleges and universities use it. That makes sense. Right now, it looks like electoral... Oh, only one state. Maine. Maine? And they, uh, they, we are both wrong. Yeah. <laughs> As of 2020, one state, Maine, has implemented ranked choice voting at the state level. Eight states contain jurisdictions that have implemented ranked choice voting at some level. And another five states contain jurisdictions that have adopted but not yet implemented ranked choice voting in local elections. So in November today, uh, Massachusetts and Alaska are voting on whether or not they will establish ranked choice voting. Wow. Nice. So it's the contemporary option. Yeah. Definitely. Texas is not going to do it anytime soon. <laughs> like, not anytime soon. Man, guys... I got that information from Ballotpedia. Sorry, what were you saying? I was just gonna. I was just gonna. Com- I was just gonna commiserate a little bit about how I'm so fed up with like politics in Texas. Go yeah. ahead. Like, guys, I really, really do not like Greg Abbott, and I'm. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> but, man. The GOP party in this state, guys, like, it, they're just, is it just me, or are they actually, like, devolving, you know? Oh, man. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is, it no, oh, yeah. is it not, like, and I don't even, I'm not even talking about, like, Trump supporters or, like, individual, like, No, you're talking Texas, about the politicians. The, the, the freak, yeah, the politicians in Texas. Like, why, why are they becoming 
like more like unstable, like yes. mentally yeah. unstable. It's so it's all it's supporting Q- QAnon, it, taking on QAnon. That's what it is. It's <laughs> the QAnon thing that is unstable. Right. But it's our entire. I don't the, think the we house... can blame it all on QAnon though. Oh, I think we totally can blame it all on QAnon. No, we can't. No. We can't explain or blame why they're all into QAnon. <laughs> but uh, but I think that's the reason why they're de-evolving, as you put it. Uh, when you just spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week in conspiracy theories, you lose sight of what reality is sure. and what the world actually is functioning like. Yeah. Add that on top of to living in the Austin elite circles as a Texas politician anyways, like the mini version of D.C., right. you're already separated from the regular day activities of most Texans. Yeah, you're the top and, percent. Yeah, and so like you you have double-skewed universe, and, you, and your guy is in office, and so you have carte blanche to say whatever the hell you want to say and get away with it, and people will pay attention to you, and you're going to rile up your base. Like, it's... It makes perfect sense to them from their perspective, like Man. what they're doing. But yes, no, to you and me, it looks bonkers, and it's embarrassing when I hear people on, like Canadians or, or like like David Pakman or Vosh or someone who <laughs> talks about what's happening here in Texas, and they show videos, and it just makes us just cringe. It's just right. head right. in it's like, hands. People like, are laughing at us all the time. Uh. I get, I get these emails. <laughs> From Ted Cruz, guys, and wow. it will be like, or Ted Cruz's people or whatever, and it'll be like, it'll be like, well, the liberal party wants to do all these crazy things like raise the minimum wage, and that's not good for Texans, so I am so against the, the minimum wage, and, you know, we're not giving people health care either, that's bull. Like, Texans don't give people free anything. Like, you got to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. That's what it means to be a Texan. And I'm just like, are you insane? Like, why in the world are you bragging about these ideas that you have? Like, it's ideas that, like, I would, if I had them, if those were my thoughts and my opinions, I would be embarrassed to say them out loud to other people. (laughs) But Ted Cruz is, like, sending me this emails, like... All like, like bragging about it. It's like things that you should be ashamed of thinking they're bragging about it, like openly to the world. I don't understand. I don't understand, man. Like, like since we started doing this podcast and I've been like digging in more to like the interworkings of like the Texas political sphere, like I understand fully why people make fun of us. Yeah. And maybe it's QAnon. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't doubt that that has something to do with it, but it it is shameful. It is. It is. And I, uh, Amber, I'm with you on that. I mean, of course, the GOP has never done anything uh, that I can think of, um, you know, beneficial to anything that's, you know, going on in my realm and circle in my life. Certainly. Um, Governor Abbott... Uh, it's definitely uh, one of the most, you know, bold, more, more, the more bolder governors that we have, and you know, he is definitely not afraid to show his hand and how he feels about something. Mm-mm. And w- the problem with that is that uh, his constituents, um, I don't think he thinks about his constituents. I don't. I think he thinks about uh, his donors. Yes. Yeah. And how he can 
win the election again and who I need who do I need to satisfy and that's going to be that upper echelon of constituents that Sosa talked about that top percent that that um gentleman's club in Austin that we can't be a part of um but you know that is so far away from reality and I think our um GOP has lost a sense of What's really going on in America today, yeah. and where America is mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. with marijuana, with health, uh, uh, healthcare, with uh, policing, mm-hmm. with the several different hot button issues that we're dealing with? Yeah, I'm with you. It seems like we're going backwards, and, yeah, and regressing and not progressing. I'm definitely with you. Yeah, I want my my wishful thinking is that it's like a a a, a dying grasp. You know, it's, it's like... It's gotta be, right? I feel like I've been saying that my whole life. I like, feel like I've been saying <laughs> it the whole time, too. But, like, you know? but okay, so, like, assuming... not I don't want to assume anything, but if the election does not go to Trump and it does end up being Joe Biden, um, you know, I've been hearing... And, and I guess we don't have to worry about it too much here in Texas, but I've been hearing a lot of, um, you know, political pundits and different outlets, you know, kind of um, exploring what it might mean for the GOP party, you know, if it is just like a landslide victory for Joe Biden, um, because the GOP party, you know, doesn't really stand for anything, Um, you know, supposedly Christian values, you know, but um, they don't govern that way and you know they're supposed to be for you know average working class people but they don't make policy choices that benefit working class people um at all and they make policy choices that benefit elites and so even but even the elites now it is like fallen out of fashion you know to be racist (laughs) and has fallen out of fashion to be um you know anti LGBT, you know, there's so many, um, you know, I guess like things that you could get away with having a bias towards maybe 10 years ago that you really can't get away with now. And so even the elites um, in large suburban areas and in, in, in you know, elites in, in cities and urban areas um, are not down with the GOP and all of their crazy shit that they've been pulling for the last four years. And so um where where is that where are they going to be left you know like after you know trump is gone you know i mean there it's if anybody remembers in 2016 during the primary before trump won the republican party hated him yeah they were trying to get marco rubio elected and then they were trying to get ted cruz elected and they were trying to get uh, Jeb Bush. He was the I first one. About they were Jeb trying Bush. to get yeah. Jeb first. Yeah. Jeb was like the, yep. f- and then Trump called him low energy Jeb, and like that was it for yeah. whatever yeah. reason. Yeah. But yeah. there was a long, like a relatively long th- months <laughs> where they were trying to not get Trump elected. They're like, right. he's going to destroy us. Right. He's going to ruin right. our party. Fox News was terrified that Trump was going to get elected, and then yeah. he won the primary. Right. He won the nomination. Mm-hmm. So. They quickly changed their tune because they had to accept the fact that he was the party, and they had just they just owned it, uh-huh. you know. And they've been running with it for four years, but that never fixed any of the problems Absolutely. that existed before he came around. Absolutely. And it, so, like, if he doesn't win, 
they're gonna have they're gonna split. And so Kyle Kalinske did a great segment talking about this, where Trump has there, so there was a Jared Kushner called somebody. There's a tweet that leaked a couple like a week ago where he they're already setting up the infrastructure for a Trump television network. <sighs> Wow! If he loses, so it's like so they'll ha- he'll have his own version of Fox News essentially or whatever, where wow. he can him and his family and everybody else that's been in the administration can all have their own shows and stuff. Yeah, and they're gonna have to. They're not gonna be able to get hired by anybody else. Well, <laughs> but that's gonna be right. it's gonna feed their audience. It's gonna sure. feed the people who want to watch to want to watch that. But what yeah. that what it's not going to do is provide unity for the Republican Party. No. Right. And right. so it's going people who are going to watch Fox, you know, people got to make a decision. Am I going to watch Trump TV or am I going to watch Fox News? You know, like, am I going right. to watch the Republican establishment narratives or am I going to watch the new Trump QAnon wacko narratives? You know, like, it, people are going to actually have to make a decision about which way they want to go with that. And it's not going to go both ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it could, go, I mean, it might, it might go 100 Trump. Like, who knows? Don't and, say. you know, QAnon part 2028 <laughs> might, be the, might be the next party. But as far as, like, the Republican Party is concerned, like, it's, they've got a lot of problems. Not that the Democratic Party doesn't. They've right. got an entirely separate conversation of issues yes. to deal with. But, like, no, the Republicans are, are, are screwed. Trump screwed the party. And, like, they're going to have to either completely change or, it, it, or, or, I don't know. I don't see it working. I don't see it surviving Trump, like remaining like, you know, Reagan, Bush era Republicans. Like, I don't right, see right, that happening. Right, you know, neoconservative, right. right? Like, like I don't see that being the future of the Republican Party. It's going to have to be something different. You know, kind of, you know, thinking the other way, I wonder what happens to the um, Democratic Party if Biden loses. Because... Ooh. Let's just be honest. Biden wasn't their strongest no. candidate. No, terrible candidate. He was not uh, as bad as Hillary, but he still was bad. a gap filler. He was a gap filler. Yeah. And uh, you know, I thought we were gonna get some support behind Beto. He just kind of fell off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um yeah. and you know, who's the next um modern uh uh token candidate for the Democratic Party? I wanted that as well. I is it know. is it Kamala? Is it? I would say AOC. AOC. Okay. Okay. I mean, yeah. that's me being me. Yeah. You know, like wanting yeah. a progressive. Yeah. Like, see, I think that the that the Democratic Party, at some point, especially if Joe Biden loses, they will have to recognize the progressive platform as yeah, the part of the progressive wing of the party. Yeah. Like, know, let us bigger. in, guys. Like, geez, you know. Um, I mean, yeah, so it's not going to be Nancy Pelosi. It's not going to be Chuck Schumer. Uh-uh. That's not going to be the future of the Democratic Party. No. Um, no, it's Mm-mm. definitely going to be a AOC or an Ilhan Omar or Rashida Tlaib, uh, Ro Khanna. I was going to be Ro Khanna. I would sure. totally vote for I would, any, any I would of those I would vote for people. any of them. <laughs> right, right. Um, Ro Khanna especially. You know, uh, Buttar, Saeed. If Saeed Buttar wins today and unseats and, Nancy Pelosi, that's, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's like there's Woo! a there's a whole yeah no there's a lot to be there's a lot to be happy about uh, as far as like mo- as far as developments being made at the like grassroots level of the Democratic Party there's mm-hmm. a lot going on there yeah I don't know if there's a lot going on there I'm not a part of those circles or pay attention to those outlets I don't know if I would be willing to bet there's not the same fiery organizing going on in the Republican Party level you mean you don't think that. They're all lining up behind Tom Cotton, like currently. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you maybe know, you don't think maybe. they're not throwing like ragers, like 
and like crazy fundraisers for Tom Cotton. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. Sorry. It sounds like something Saga would say. I digress. That, I digress. He would know. Um. Okay. So we're, we're wait, 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 wait. So <laughs> before you say that, let's zoom back in real quick and like discuss the possibility that Tarrant County tonight could be turning blue. Texas all together from what I see. Yeah, in the, uh, that's what uh, I was seeing too. The results, um, it's very possible um, from the early results that we got in, it was kind of uh, neck and neck uh, with red and blue 50-50. So it's very much so possible if it happens. When was the last time? Was it Ann Richards? Yes, for governor in the 80s. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I was in grade school Yeah. Uh, the last I know, time. I might have been not quite born yet. So, yes, it's time for a change. It is Texas. time for a change, It is yes. time for a change. And I think that'll help um, with the, you know. Oh, she, oh, she was 91 to 95. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was an old. But you know what? I think this will help with uh, getting uh, Abbott. On his way up out of here. Get him out of here. You know, that ought to be our focus as soon as we get done with yes. this election. Yes. Oh, my God. To get a new yes. governor here yeah. in Texas. He, he's not up for four more years, so, but it'll be 2024. But yeah. we, right. It's yeah. never too early no, yeah. to start planning. Do we have a candidate in mind? I, I have one. Oh. oh, really? Okay. Sure. I like Clay Jenkins. Okay. I like Clay Jenkins. Okay. I read Dallas Church, Clay Jenkins. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really liked his leadership in handling COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, when he really didn't have to take the rim. It could have been the mayor. It could have been whoever. Mm-hmm. But I think he took it amongst himself. And I, I just see a lot of good leadership uh, abilities in Clay. He seems fair uh, in how he handled the protesters in Dallas mm-hmm. that were arrested and releasing them. Uh, he seems very fair. He gets my vote. I told him personally several times nice. on social media, <laughs> you should run. And I think a lot of people have gotten behind that idea and have started, I awesome. think there's even a Facebook page that they're started for Clay awesome. Jenkins for governor. Amazing. 20, uh, 20, yeah. 22. But, you know, let's put some energy um, behind it. Yeah, you know, let's do it. Here I am. Here I am. I'm an open mind. So, not all of my eggs are in that basket. If there's another sure. viable progressive minded candidate that comes up between now and then, I'm willing to sit down and listen to the, mm-hmm. them as well. I encourage mm-hmm. us all to be open-minded in the listening to these candidates because, um, you know, it may not be someone in your political party, per se, Mm -hmm. who shares the more, the ideas, more similar ideas with you. So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, 2022 should be interesting here in Texas. Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? I think that, too, um, sorry, Betsy, but if Tarrant County goes blue again, again, after 2018, and if it goes blue here in 2020, um, you know, I think there's a good chance we could get a new mayor, guys. Right. And that election's in May. In May. Right, right, Six right. months. We only have six months. Six months. <laughs> yeah, six months. <laughs> but, but let me say this, and let me say this, and I know we got to cut off soon, but who was our local mayor candidate that we're getting behind? Oh, we'll have to talk. We'll have to do multiple episodes on that. Okay. Okay. I don't know. Do we? The we only... need to. We need to search them out and yeah. talk to them. Right. Yeah. yeah we have um, We'll have them on. For go sure. ahead. And Zeta, if you're listening. <laughs> there you go. I 
support you right. in your run right. for Fort Worth mayor. And, and and no disrespect, uh, Deborah People, she seemed to be a a really nice lady, but you have to show up more. We have to see yeah. you more yeah. in the community. The people have to see. Yeah. We want to see you. We want to hear from you. Yeah, you should get active in the off season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Therefore, when election season comes up, everyone knows who to who to vote for. Yep. I encourage you, Miss Peoples, get started now, or we're gonna be looking for someone else. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. That's a so, great. So, so for our last thing, our closing, <laughs> our closing remarks. Mm-hmm. Because this might be the last time that we ever have to talk about it. Let's close with what was the most offensive thing to you personally that Donald Trump has done in his <laughs> presidency? Oh man, I'm offended by the tweets. To be quite, I'm offended. Just I'm the offended by altogether. him being handling policy, handling national crises, handling. Uh, uh, very important situations on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The most active social media president we ever saw, uh, ever seen. And I know social media hasn't been around long, but I mean, I mean, in comparison to Obama and Bush, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, they were just that was not their way. Uh, I'm offended by how he handles his business. Quite frankly, uh, Twitter, Twitter fingers, um, yeah. and you know. Maybe for us as bloggers, but not as the as the president of the United States. Yeah, no, yeah. and that that goes kind of into mine, which like, <laughs> I could pick. There's a, you know there's a million things you could pick that are offensive, but the thing that really bothered me consistently over the whole four years was uh, diplomatic relations, international relations, mm-hmm. foreign foreign relations. Like what he did to our image on the global stage. Yeah is irreparable. Now, I've got a ton of problems with U.S. global imperialism. I've got problems with our hegemonic economic capitalist system. Yeah. Like, I've got problems with America and our exceptionalism. Right. But that being said, I still want us to be respected as a country, <laughs> and yeah. I still want us to be able to get along with other countries and to be trustworthy and to be stick to our word, even though historically we don't do that. Um, but Trump has just thrown... He, he, handles diplomacy on Twitter mm-hmm. like rather than using a diplomat <laughs> or something you know yeah. like it and it's just if you talk to a foreigner if you talk to somebody who lives outside of the US like they pity us mm-hmm. they feel they feel sorry for us because they're like what is happening in your country how did you guys let this happen you know yeah. and so like that's the thing that offends me the most is like what he did to the what it means to be the United States like to the rest of the world. Right. You know, right. that's my thing. I don't know what you're thinking, Amber. Perspective. I'm torn between two different things. Um well I mean I'm really torn between like twenty different things. But like when I I was thinking this question I was asking myself this question earlier and I think for me it is a tie like the two most offensive things for me is a tie between pulling out of the Paris climate accord. Um, Like I think that was like six months into the presidency where when we pulled out of the Paris climate accord. Um, And it's a tie between that and then uh, family separation and kids in cages at the border. Like, and honestly, like if I had to pick one, pick one, it's, 
kids in cages, yeah. family separation at the border. There's like over 500 kids right now wh- who um, they are not e- like they've deported the parents and kept the kids in yeah. the cage and they're not even able to locate these kids parents. Yeah. And, and for me, like, you know, like when I said earlier that like the GOP, you know, likes to pretend that they stand for Christian values and I said that they obviously don't. I meant to say as evidenced by family separation yeah. and kids in cages. And it, it, that's that's not even the whole picture. And that's not too. even, yeah. yeah that's, you have those the forced sterilizations. Yes, you know, it has the forced hysterectomies. The, the, uh, sexual assaults. Yes. Have, yeah, the whole, the yeah. whole shebang. Yeah, yeah. The whole thing is a disgusting. Everything you know. about it. And then that's like without even like getting into the fact that the cages are part of the prison industrial complex and run by the same companies that run all of the other private prisons and that it's actually a whole for-profit scheme so for me i think that takes yep that's a good spot to end on i think all right hopefully we never have to talk about it except for solutions to repairing the state of the nation thank you for listening to the fort worth freedom review if you would like to get involved or want to contact us, you can reach us at fwfreedomreview at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at fwreview and on Facebook at Fort Worth Freedom Review. This podcast is made possible by the Justice Reform League, a Fort Worth-based nonprofit. If you wish to support us, please go to justicereformleague.org and click the donate button.